Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts welcome to fantasy football weekly a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now, here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to the show. It's Fantasy Football Weekly. We are back for another edition in this, the fourth and final set of division-by-division tours around the NFL. My co-hosts this week are... Brian Johnson and Matt Harrison. Hello, guys. Hello. Welcome to the wild, wild west. Let's finish this cross-country tour, this grueling cross-country tour. You think it's grueling? No, it's it's been nothing but fun. (laughs) It's been a month of breaking down offenses. What? How these are mostly about what these offenses are going to be different this year? Because everybody wants to just replay last year. Why do most of the cheat sheets that you see at this time of year, especially? They're basically just, well, what order did they finish in last year? That'll be my starting point. So unoriginal. But that's not what we do here. Do you think it would be more fun for us to take a cross-country road trip as a Fantasy Football Weekly crew? Or do these divisions over a four-week span? Which is more fun? (laughs) I would rather have the cross-country road trip. Oh, okay. And I want to be in... (laughs) Somebody sent me, like, I started, uh, I did a radio show last, uh, about uh, three weeks ago, about RVing, because mm-hmm. I was thinking that might be the summer trip, would be in an RV, where yeah. I don't have to fly, I don't have to be in hotels, I just, like, clean the RV one time, you rent it, right? Mm-hmm. You clean it one time, and you go have fun. Somebody sent me the Mercedes-Benz um, Windstar something. I've seen a few of those Mercedes RVs around. Oh my God. The thing's amazing, <laughs> but it was $300,000 and it sleeps two, two. Now, one of the advantages of this thing is it's, it's just like the size of a large van. Yeah. So you're not taking this enormous contraption, right? Yeah. But it has all of the, it has all the appointments of what you would imagine a Mercedes sure. RV would have. Unbelievable. Granite countertops. Yes. And, yep. Yes. Yeah. That sort of stuff. All that stuff. Oh, it was fantastic. A butler in the bathroom. That'd be you. Yeah. So if we can get that thing, you can you can be the butler. Uh, Brian can it, be the driver. It, it, won't, it won't sleep me. I'll it be won't. the butler. <laughs> you sleep in the bathroom standing up. No problem. 
Let's go to the. I'd probably a- rather hang out in the bathroom than drive the RV to be honest. <laughs> well, at least you get the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AFC West and NFC West this week. Which, if you missed any of the other other divisions, you can go back through our previous podcast. We encourage you to do that. And not only are we going to break down how these offenses work, which is sort of the main focus, just how does this offense feel like it's going to come together, if at all. And then we're also identifying the riskiest player to draft compared to ADP for that team and the player with the most upside compared to ADP. So that's the premise. We begin with the AFC West and your reigning champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt. Yeah, you, you know that Chiefs offense. It's pretty good. I, I'm familiar, yes. Um, it's kind of why they have 10 players going in the top 300 of ADP, and it's actually 11 if you include uh, kicker Harrison Butker. Well, yeah, in there. I, mean, I would. So, he's, I think, almost universally the number one ranked fantasy kicker. Yeah, he's uh, he's in there, too. So let's start with the big arm of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he threw nine touchdowns last season. Nine times. There it is. Nine times. Uh, that went 40-plus yards. He, he he led the league in that uh, category. To nobody's so, surprised. Really. So you, you think his receivers are just flying downfield and he's hitting people open 20 yards downfield. That's not the case. Uh, average depth of target for his wide receivers and tight ends ranged between 9.4 to 13.4 with uh, Tyreek Hill, who's kind of the most notable receiver slotting in at 12.5. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about Mahomes is he throws his receivers open because get this. Yards after catch per reception, Travis Kelsey gained another four yards after the catch. Mm. Hill, another 4.8. Watkins, 5.8. Mecole Hardman. Here it comes, baby. 11.4. Yeah, one of my favorite sleepers this year. I Um, love it. So I'm totally not worried about the passing game, and you could consider each of the top three players in Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes as uh, pretty safe. Uh, in yeah. my fact, the upside, in, in fact, I was going to say the upside play is Nicole Hardman. Um, it was only a year ago that Hardman was looking like the guy who would just slot into the offense as the Tyreek Hill replacement. And they're similarly built speed receivers. Hill had the fastest clocked time in the NFL last year at 22.8 miles per hour when he was chasing down Damian Williams on a touchdown. <laughs> That's funny. He didn't, well, he he, didn't he have didn't the ball have the in ball. his hand, he was which just, helps. <laughs> yes. But uh, Hardman had the fastest speed in the league on a scoring play last year at mm. 21.7 miles per hour. Wow. So, so if so, these guys get drunk and go out running, <laughs> will they get a DUI when they're that fast? That's what I want to know. <laughs> they almost, right? It's kind of dangerous. Yes. It hurt people. Yeah. Uh, Hardman tied for the league lead in 25-plus yard touchdown receptions with five last year. Yeah, He's entering year two in a Patrick Mahomes offense. You don't have to draft him till round nine. He only finished as the 49th wide receiver in fantasy, but he only had 26 receptions. Yeah, to get to, to, to 49th in fantasy points at your position on 26 receptions. 26 receptions. That's a lot. That's like two per game. That's less than two per game. It is. Now, Hardman killed you in the games in which he didn't score, basically. Yeah. Because his the volume was so low. When you're getting a catch and a half per game on average, you better score. And so that was why I think people are going to be nervous about Hardman. Mm-hmm. And especially in like a guillotine format where he's super, super dangerous. Sure. But... If you think those 26 are going to turn into 52. Yeah, right. Well, Which is roughly exactly double. what Sammy Watkins had last year. year. Uh-huh. 52 receptions. Yeah. Um, I think Hardman with 52 receptions, which is not a lot, mm-hmm. which is like, it was about 47th among wide receivers in the NFL last year. Yeah. He'd easily go over a thousand yards and he had six touchdowns last year and he'd easily approve, improve on that. So mm-hmm. um, I think that he's the, uh, 
the the best upside there. Yes. Uh, the biggest risk, but also maybe the highest reward, is Clyde Edwards Elaire. I don't know. Yes. Is it Elaire? <laughs> like not, Elaire, no, not, not. no, it's not like that at all, actually. <laughs> um, but you're correct in not saying the H. Uh, he's going off the board in the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is it's a little murky on the running back depth chart. Uh, last year, players with seven or more touches from the running back position on the Chiefs, Damian Williams did it 11 times. Mm-hmm. McCoy did it 10 Daryl Williams did it four. Darwin Thompson did it three times. Now, Shady McCoy's gone, but both the Williams, Darwin Thompson, and DeAndre Washington are now on the depth chart, as well as CEH. And I know Andy Reid has deployed workhorse backs in the past, most recently Kareem Hunt in the 2018 season. And I know talent wins out, and he's the most talented back on the roster. He is. And I'm probably drafting him with the first overall pick in our rookie draft <laughs> coming up in the Empire League. You probably are. But I was asked to come up with a risky player, and he's, he's the riskiest he is, player on this roster. I, we can love him to, and, and still say ADP. there's real danger here because he may only get 50% of the snaps. Yeah, that's, that's, the, bit, that's the only danger here. And mm-hmm. I, I think talent wins out, but... I'm probably in a redraft league going to take this one year off and look at him probably next year. Uh, Let's go to the Denver Broncos. Brian, this is a team with a couple of notable new faces in Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, and everybody thinks Drew Locke is ready to make the next move here and really add some passing balance to this offense. How do you feel about it? Yeah, Denver last year, uh, 57.1% passing plays. That was 24th most. Uh, They ran the ball 43% of the time. That was the ninth most. So they were a little run heavy last year. Only 1.7 offensive touchdowns per game. That was the second fewest. That's bad. New OC and Pat Shermer, though, who has a very nice track record outside of the Giants mess a couple of years ago, but Mm -hmm. no one was going to thrive in uh, that Gettleman environment. So uh, I'm going to give him a pass (laughs) on that one. Yep. Um, So I I, I want to note how... Brian gets a Gettleman dig in on every, <laughs> every one of his team preview. <laughs> it doesn't matter what team it is. He's going to figure out the way to bring it back to how Gettleman uh, I'm sucks. pretty sure I've mumbled in my sleep like, F and Dave Gettleman. Gettleman. But hey, I'm a Bengals fan now. And by the way, no one is allowed on the Bengals bandwagon this year. <laughs> You're the, I was you the only one on That's last year. I'm holding the gates. Everyone was laughing. So You're holding the door shut. Screw you all. Anyway, back to Drew Locke. Uh, right now going out. Uh, out in the late 13th round is quarterback 23. Wow, I've uh, got him quite a bit higher than that. A lot of people do. The, the hype is real. The hype is building around Drew. Only five starts last year. He did go four and one. Came out on fire with five touchdown passes across his first two starts. But that was against a depleted uh, Chargers secondary and then a brutal Houston secondary. Struggled in Kansas City in the blizzard and then didn't really put up numbers in the last two. But Denver wants Locke to be the guy. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, look at the look what they've done at the quarterback yeah. position since Manning left. So it's all Disaster. about he he looks like he has what it takes. He's got the build. He's got the arm. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's got the mental game. So it's all about the additions to the arsenal in the offseason. Um, before we get to those, I want to talk about Cortland Sutton really quick. Obviously, yeah. the wide receiver one on the Broncos right now in redraft uh, going in the fifth round is wide receiver 24 going way higher in dynasty, of course. Uh Sutton was a top 12 wide receiver in the first half of 2019 with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen as his quarterback. His second half was actually torpedoed by his final four weeks. I remember him having a monster second half, but uh, in his final four games finished no higher than wide receiver 40. So that Mm. really put a damper on his uh, numbers. But uh, regardless, 
he made a huge leap in his second year. As a rookie in 2018, Sutton was 82nd out of 126 wide receivers in yards after the catch. Last year, he finished 29th. Nice. And um, he shows all the traits of an elite wide receiver. The main concern is there's more competition for targets now. And let's yes. get to that than there was last year. And that starts with Jerry Judy, uh, first round pick. Uh, 24 touchdowns across his last two seasons at Alabama. He, he looked amazing in Alabama's spread yep. offense. So productive. The concerns are he might struggle a little against a little bit against the more physical corners in the NFL in press coverage. Uh, and he doesn't have he's tall. He's six two. He's a little wiry at two hundred. Doesn't have a, a massive wingspan though. Seventy six inches is mm-hmm. kind of a uh, dinosaur arms for a guy that tall. Um, but again, I just can't get over the fact that they took Jerry Judy over CD Lamb. I'm yeah, never well, going to get over well, that. A, so, lot, a lot of people would have, though. You know, it's it's not criminal. You and I both think CD Lamb was the right pick. But, I'm, but I'm just stuck on. Are, are there any dinosaurs with long arms? That that's what I'm thinking about right now. I know T Rex is like the short. Yeah, arms. Well, you can't really count a pterodactyl, right? Because those are wings, but those are pretty. I mean, who had long arms? I, I don't know. Is there a dinosaur <laughs> with long arms? You've got Google right there. Long armosaurus. Yes. But uh, so Judy going in the late ninth right now in redraft wide receiver 41. That that seems about right. But uh, he doesn't threaten Sutton as the alpha dog. I feel no, like. He's going to be the complimentary yeah. number two. So there's hope for Judy, but I don't expect him to pop off entirely in his rookie year. And there's one more rookie they did add to wide receiver. That's KJ Hamler. For redraft purposes, he's not going to have much of an impact. So we won't, we won't go there. But he is an intriguing dynasty prospect. I don't, I, I'm not a fan. Oh, okay, long arm dinosaur. Long arm dinosaur is the Dino Kyres. Okay, Dino Kyres. Tell, tell us about the Dino Kyres. It's a genus of large ornithomimosaur that lived in the late Cretaceous, around seventy million years ago, in a pair of large arm shoulder girdles. And a few other shoulder (laughs) girdles, bones of the dinosaur, were first discovered in Mongolia. I think they might introduce that one in like the (laughs) shoulder girdles? The fourth coming installment of the Jurassic Park garbage series. They might throw that. It's, it's, a, it's a very strange looking dinosaur. It looks like it has. Now, like, is this it, one of the feathered like dinosaurs with, with like some weird wings? That is weird. That is. Uh, the arms don't look that long. It looks it does look more like a duck than a. Oh, now there's oh, there's the long arms. Some of the oh. versions are long arms. Oh, look ones, at those claws. Like they, have, they just have like a paddle. I mean, if Jerry Judy's got arms and hands like that, like that uh, we've got no <laughs> issues at all. Well, the problem is he doesn't. He's got the short arm. <laughs> like, like, can he can he mix it up with a T-Rex, you think? He looks like he's got... Well, a lot of times they show you these pictures, but you don't realize the thing's scale. only like yeah. Yeah, four foot tall. Not all of the dinosaurs were gigantic. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't Jurassic Park. That's realistic. All right. Anyway. Back to a uh, non-dinosaur in the young Noah Fant. The one more pass catcher we have to talk about, of course. Right now, going in the ninth round, tight end 11. 8.3 yards after the catch last year. That led all tight ends. Second among tight ends in yards per reception. Top seven in tight end end zone targets. And he really only started coming on in the second half of the year. So a lot of excitement around Fant. I think uh, tight end 11... Probably his floor, really. I think the ceiling's a little higher for Fant. Yeah. And then um, we got to talk about the running backs, of course. Charge, you alluded to Melvin Gordon, the new arrival. He's going in the mid-third round right now at RB19. Philip Lindsay's still in town, of course. Right now, he's going round eight, uh, around RB13. 
38. So last year for Denver, Lindsey and Royce Freeman had the same number of carries inside the 10-yard line, but Lindsey had twice as many inside the five. So mm-hmm. he was the guy for Denver inside yeah. the stripe. And inside the five, eight carries, 14 yards, five touchdowns. Very impressive. That's good. Um, for those who don't remember, Gordon was a charger last year. He held out the first four games, uh, but he ended up with the fifth most carries inside the five in the league with 13, and his 15 yards inside the five was the third most. So he did pretty well inside the five, too. Gordon scored as many touchdowns inside the five as Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and Le'Veon Bell combined last year. So we're looking at a serious competition right now. But yes. Pretty much like a 50-50 virtual split. But the one difference is one of these guys has passed the eye test multiple times, right? And one has failed. Well, I would tell you it's Phil, Phil Lindsay who's passed the eye test. That's what I would tell you too, Charge. That's what I was trying to get us to agree on. <laughs> All right. Because we've talked about this before. Lindsay passes the eye test. Gordon really never has. He's never looked just elite. He's produced. He didn't score a touchdown in his rookie year. I'll no. never let him live that down. I know you won't. So for that reason, Gordon in the mid-third at RB19 with a competition that probably is a better running back mm-hmm. right behind him is the, the biggest downside per his ADP. And then Drew Locke, if everything comes together with these added weapons and he continues to progress, top He's 15, top player. 12 yeah, quarterback. He could be, yeah, be a QB1. So he is the easy upside yeah. player on this Denver Broncos team. Let's go to Las Vegas. The constant in the Raiders offense is Josh Jacobs. He's presumed to be one of the league's few true workhorse backs, and I think that is the case here. Devonta Booker isn't a threat. Rookie Lynn Bowden likely is a utility or gadget guy. Yep. Um, you know, he's he played primarily running back, but they're already talking about making him just a wide receiver or he's just going to do whatever. He's a scat back. Mini the Moocher right here. Yeah. Nice job. <laughs> the, Jacobs had 262 touches last year. I think he gets no fewer than that here and possibly up to 300 touches in part because he should be more involved in the passing game. Who says so? His general manager, Mike Mayock, says we're going to get him more involved in the passing game. So let's hope that's the case. He averaged almost five yards per carry, and he's running behind Pro Football Focus's number seven run blocking line from last year. And that run blocking line returns all five of their starters. Hmm. So I I don't see any real downside for, for Josh Jacobs. He's going right now at pick nine overall. I think he's very safe at that spot. And so I, I think there's still plenty uh, there's plenty of reason to think that Jacobs will be as good as he was last year, if not better in year two. Now, Charch, are you taking a guy like Josh Jacobs in the tail end of the first round, or will you be doing the opposite this year? Well, I'm almost certainly going to be doing the opposite. Okay, so I can't, no I can't Josh Jacobs on any of your teams. Probably not, unfortunately. End of the first round is notoriously dangerous for running backs, but this one feels pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the passing game. A variety of new faces here. The first wide receiver taken in the draft was Henry Ruggs. Insanely fast from Alabama. Should be a day one starter. His modest production in college suggests a slightly longer learning curve than guys like Jerry Judy, who we just talked about. Um, but his crazy speed and athleticism means that he's going to roast some secondaries and you're going to want to play him in matchups in specific matchups early. And then maybe later, then don't forget in the third round, they took rookie Brian Edwards rewrote the South Carolina record book, incredibly productive, amazing body control, high character guy. He had a knee injury that knocked him out at the end of 2019, wasn't able to participate in the combine. We're going to watch the status of that knee in training camp, but he's somebody who's going to threaten for time too. Do you ever recall quite the disparity in rookie wide receivers where they went in the actual draft and then where they're going in terms of fantasy football with rugs? The first wide receiver yeah. taken, he's like six, seven, eighth 
when it comes to uh, rookie wide receivers, especially in, re- in redraft. Yeah, where these boys being yeah. drafted. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, right. as a matter My of bad. fact. Yes. Um, so keep an eye on Brian Edwards as well throughout the preseason. We'll want to see if his knee's healthy enough to make him a competitor for starting time against Tyrell Williams right off the bat, who I don't like, by the way. <laughs> I, I thought Tyrell Williams was relatively pedestrian last year. He got dinged up, didn't produce in big numbers, despite the fact that they really needed him a lot. So I'm not terribly interested in him. And I, I don't I think there's a scenario here where Edwards by the end of the year just beats him out. So I expect uh, Derek Carter will into the season as the starter, but he might be on a short leash because Marcus Mariota is there. And if Mariota looks good in training camp, maybe there's more of a battle here. Um, as I tweeted yesterday, Derek Carr finished last year as quarterback 15. 15. And that brings us to our uh, upside player, Derek Carr, who's currently going off the board at quarterback 27. Garbage wow. time. Garbage time. He's going off the board in seven, around 17. He's got all these new weapons, right, that we already talked about. Um, Las Vegas' defense is going to be bad again. Mm. There's going to be a lot of passing. In a that lot offense. of garbage time. A lot of garbage mm. time, potentially. I think the riskiest player here is, Brian? Darren, Darren Waller. Waller. Yep. Going off the board at tight end yep. five right now. Yeah, You look at all these new receivers that are going to eat into his targets, and he had just the three touchdowns last year on all the – it's like targeted 100 times. It turned into three touchdowns. Shaking fist at Foster Moreau still for exactly. all those touchdowns. Um, and then, so just too many new faces here. I think that, you know, we didn't even mention uh, ja, um, uh, Witten there as well now, who's going to maybe eat into some of that production as well for Darren Waller. I just... Especially in like the red zone. And Nelson yeah. Aguilar is going to infect everyone with the dropsies. It's bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> just by proximity, that could be the case. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, the Chargers briefly. And this is not an offense that is exciting by any means, I don't mm. think. And then turn our attention to uh, the NFC West, Seattle, San Francisco, the Rams, Arizona. Plenty to get to on Fantasy Football Weekly. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Jarchi and Matt Harrison, Brian Johnson with you. I don't mean to take the wind out of your sails by suggesting that your Chargers analysis, Matt, is going to be anything other than stellar. But just the reality from a fantasy standpoint, this might be the least compelling offense in the NFL. So last week, uh, I got to do the Carolina offense. Mm. This looks like the AFC version of the, the Carolina, Carolina offense. Okay. Um, Chargers passed on 62% of their plays last season. That was fifth most in the league. That's and a lot. Of course, they lost their quarterback, Phil Rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to Indy with his 17 kids, leaving Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert to man the backfield. Now, Ty Taylor started a few games for the Browns at the beginning of 2018 before it's, it's, Baker took over. Sorry, it's Ta Taylor. Oh, Ta. Ta Rod. Ta. That's right. Ta Rod. Ta. Yeah. <laughs> but his uh, last real starting gig were his three years in Buffalo, where um, he had a high completion percentage. Uh, he was a low risk, low mistake kind of guy. In three full seasons of starting, he never threw more than six interceptions in a year. Wow. So he's all right. He's, and which, by the way, keeps you in the league a long time. That's you how you league. stay as a backup quarterback in this league. And he is age 30 this year. So I look at this offense to run similar to Carolina's um, Taylor's career average depth of target is in the nines, which should allow the Chargers to be a little bit more functional than Teddy Bridgewater, who's mm-hmm. in like the sevens. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be a safe offense, high percentage throws and a lot of them. A little bit of rushing from your 30-year-old quarterback who still has some wheels and a heavy dose of Austin Eckler. Uh, And this is setting up to be really, really nice for him this year. While he was in Buffalo, um, while Taylor was in Buffalo, LaShawn McCoy was 7th in the league in running back receptions in 2017, Mm. 10th in 2016, and he was injured for most of 2015. All right. So outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey's otherworldly receiving stats, Austin Eckler had the second most targets in the league. Um... With a, and, he, and he had uh, 104 targets last year. Melvin Gordon had 52 targets last year. Mm. Those should probably all roll yeah, Eckler's way. You would think so. Um, Eckler led running backs in the league with 40-plus yard receptions with three. He trailed McCaffrey by only 12 receiving yards. He had 993, and he topped McCaffrey's eight receiving touchdowns. His average depth of target was 1.21 yards. Eckler's. All right, that's not much. His average yards per catch was 10.8. Dang. So let that sink in a wow. little bit. That's uh, that's some impressive work after the catch right there. Yeah. So the thing that really hurt him was his red zone touches. He only had 17 carries in the 20 and only nine inside the five. And sure. Brian already talked yeah. about that's Melvin Gordon Mel- being really but good. Melvin Gordon's gone. So does he automatically get those? Can he increase the rushing value without Melvin Gordon there? I think the answer is yes. Um, Melvin Gordon had more rushing attempts in 12 games than Eckler did in 16. So if you take half of a Gordon's 162 rushing attempts last year, okay, give them to Eckler, All right. 81 more. All right. It's another 340 rushing yards and at least a handful of touchdowns if they give it to him inside the five. And so, by the way, I think Eckler is mistakenly viewed as 
a scat back because he's a pass catching back that people think that he's that he's a slighter build than he is he's a house he's a muscular dude he can run inside and he could be a goal line back but Um, will they let him there are there are at least two other running backs on roster that could end up being goal line factors yeah and that's joshua kelly and justin Mm -hmm. jackson both are going off way late in drafts and i know that uh i know brian on this show has been a big justin jackson fan but Man, I think Austin Eckler's just that good, and I think that they're going to roll with him this year. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, on Eckler, uh, let me see. I had to move around in my little sheet here. Boo-boo-boo. Now you're uh, scatting right yeah, now. Yeah, now I'm scatting. Um, so basically, it's it's Carolina all over again. It's a, it's a quarterback with mid-range average depth of target. He liked to feature his multi-tool running mm-hmm. back in the past. In the third round, Eckler's probably one of the safer picks in fantasy. I, I actually like him a lot. He's my safety play. Uh, in Taylor's three years in Buffalo, he only had one wide receiver crack the top 50 in fantasy points scored in that position. That was Sammy Watkins in 2015. He did not have a top 50 receiver in 16 or 17. And he had Robert Woods there for the, uh, for at least part, if not all of those years. Yeah. So my riskiest player, you may think it's Keenan Allen. I would. It's not. He's going out in the fourth round and he's getting a new quarterback. You're close. It's I'm, Mike I'm, Williams. Okay. Williams is a deep threat. Yeah. And a touchdown guy yeah. who only scored twice last year, by the way. <laughs> Uh, his average depth of target was 18.3 compared to Allen, who runs primarily safe routes from the slot at 10.3 yards downfield. Wow. That's right Big in Tyrod's range. Yeah. Right. So I, I like I like Allen to continue to get the targets mm-hmm. and the receptions. I think Williams is just a, a don't touch kind of guy, similar to Curtis Samuel on the Panthers. Yeah. I so like that. Uh, that that's the guy I'm avoiding. What do you think about Hunter Henry? Because obviously, you know, he's still widely viewed as a top five fantasy. Yeah. Uh, he's going, end, going and, off at tight end number seven right now, okay. 72 overall. So wow. the end of the sixth round. Okay. Um, the dude is just produced every yeah. time when he's healthy. And and he, by by all accounts, he's healthy right now. He hasn't done anything <laughs> in a while. So uh, I think I think Hunter Henry, who's in that same range downfield mm-hmm. uh, at, with the high percentage throws, I think he's in for for some fine play as well. So Mike Williams is the guy I'm avoiding. By the way, he's going off the board at 97 overall, wide receiver 40. That seems really early for a guy who scored two touchdowns last year. All right, let's go to San Francisco. Brian, this is obviously a Super Bowl caliber team, but we've got a number of new faces in this offense and changes in the offense with uh, the the additions at wide receiver. We've got Raheem Mostert walking in as your probable starter. This is a different offense than the one that we the one that we uh, saw, especially at this time last year. Yeah, and for fantasy purposes, it wasn't a very exciting offense last year. San Fran uh, ran or passed the ball forty eight point six percent of the time. That was thirty first. They ran yep. the ball fifty one point four percent. That was the second most rushing plays uh, by percentage. Did score three point two offensive touchdowns per game, though. That was fourth most. One of four teams to average more than three touchdowns per game, offensive touchdowns, that is. Uh, Joe Staley retired at left tackle. That's yep. a big loss. But just bring in Trent Williams, all-world yeah, left tackle, right. to fill in there. So well, that's, assuming uh, he's still all-world. We haven't yeah, hardly true. seen good him point, play in good two point. years. He's still in his 20s, late 20s, right? Yeah, I think he's yeah, 29. He should be just fine. But uh, So, yeah, Jimmy G's got a pretty solid line in front of him. Not elite, but uh, definitely very solid. Uh, speaking of Jimmy G, uh, going off the board in the early 12th right now at quarterback 20. Little high for me. Only four top ten finishes at quarterback last year for Jimmy. Three of them came in the first ten games, and two of those three were against the Cardinals. Mm. 
you will face the Cardinals twice again this year, of course, that uh, as every year, as long as he's a 49er. Uh, but really, you know, San Francisco just needs him to be a system quarterback. They won a playoff game when he had 77 passing yards and zero touchdowns. Yeah. So they want to play a good defense. They want to run the ball for fantasy purposes. I'm not loving Garoppolo a whole lot, but I will say this. I will say this one stat, and it's very interesting from uh, Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus. The most yards per pass attempt in 2019, excluding screen passes, with a minimum of 100 attempts. So okay. basically, a, hundred, right. a minimum of 100 attempts that weren't screen passes. The average yards per attempt, Ryan Tannehill, 9.7, and then Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes were tied at 8.8. Wow. So if San Fran reverts back to a couple of years ago when the defense was crap, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that's quite going to happen, right? Well, probably not, but they were <laughs> very bad not yeah. long ago. But yes, they're much better. They're more improved. If the team on, from the defensive side takes a 180 per se, there is some hope for Garoppolo, but I still uh, think there's more hope than you're giving him because of the improvements at the wide receiver position compared, especially compared to where they were rolling into last season where they were banking on Marquise Goodwin, always banged up, heard her was heard every, you know, all the problems they had at receiver last year, they roll into this year with a first round pick at receiver Debo Samuel coming off that great second half and playoff run that he had, I just feel like this is a this is an opportunity now for Garoppolo to be materially better because the receivers are. Yeah, well, let's just let's knock uh, Kittle out of the way real quick. Yeah. All, all I'll say about George Kittle: final year of rookie deal mm-hmm. wants money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> motivation is there. Tight end two right now though, and by ADP, you taking Kittle or Kelsey if you want a tight end? I'm taking. I'm still taking Kelsey. Still taking Kelsey. All yeah. right, fair enough. I want. I'm a part of that Chiefs offense. Um, so Debo Samuel, let's talk about the wide receivers. Unfortunately, suffered this Jones fracture not long ago. Timetable, 12 to 16 weeks. He's probably not going to be full go until second, third week of the season if all goes well for him. The interesting thing about Debo is he did have a strong second half, but his big games where he was like top 12 and inside at wide receiver, there was a handful. He had a rushing touchdown in each one of those games. Yeah. That is, seriously, he's an amazing Real life football player, he really is. He's a great and athlete. He is, and uh, yeah, he can run the ball, catch the ball, and, of course. And, and it doesn't. It, it, I know run. It, you, you can never predict a wide receiver to have rushing touchdowns, but he could. I mean, it's not like a total no. fluke. If you're gonna, he pr- got try, if you're gonna predict the best chance for a running it's or wide receiver, him. he's gonna be one of them for sure. But I don't. For me, it's been a. I'm, I'm fading the 49ers pass stack in this one. The, the 49ers wide receivers averaged nine and a half catches per game as a whole last year. Yeah. And I they know just, they're better. and They I, are better. But I don't know. Ayuk, let's get to him right now. Uh, 16th round in redraft, wide receiver 60. Uh, probably going to be the top wide receiver option going into the season with uh, Samuel dinged up. Um I'm, I'm worried about rookie wide receivers this year with no, no mini camps and... Uh, I don't know, 9.5 catches a game. I'm fading Ayuk. I'm still fading Samuel, even though he's going off the board cheaper. If you're looking for a fill-in for Samuel, people are going to Jalen Hurd right now. Yeah. Rookie wideout out of Baylor, drafted in the third round, 6'5", 230. He's a beast, but he's he's raw. But I think Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne is the guy I'd target out of any wide receiver for the 49ers. Only two games with six targets last year. But in both those games, he caught... Uh, touchdown and went over 40 yards. All we right. saw six targets. So I saw they're trying to extend him right now. Kenneth yeah, Bourne. they are. Um, I think they will. And then, um, so I don't know the, the receiving core is a mess. You really need to see what's ha- what's up with Debo as we near closer to the season, but I- I'm not super optimistic from a fantasy standpoint for any of them. Um, we do have to talk the running backs too. 
very well I'll, I'll go as quickly as possible this is a sticky team uh Raheem Mostert going off in the mid sixth as RB 23 what a perfect do the opposite running back is Raheem perfect spot Mostert. for oh, uh do the opposite and then yes. there's still Tevin Coleman of course uh going in the mid ninth right now is All right, so can RB we just 40. talk about Tevin Coleman for a minute sure how about he sucks okay <laughs> He's just not good. So, you know, I just don't think, you know, as great as this offense can be, especially for any running back seems to be able to produce in it, Raheem Mostert's better by any criteria, I think, than Tevin Coleman just as a running back. And so I think I think Mostert gets the absolutely gets the first crack at the majority of work. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Mostert's last six games last year finished inside the top 20 among running backs in all of them. Four of those six were inside the top 10. And Tevin? you're not even talking about the playoffs where he no, ran no. Yeah, this through is regular the Vikings season, yeah. and Packers, and yep. all they did was just run him. Uh, Tevin Coleman, Mostert, each carried the ball 137 times last year. Mm-hmm. Mostert finished with 228 more rushing yards. Also finished with more receiving yards on 30% less catches than Coleman. So, yeah. yeah. Mostert's the guy, and he is your high upside play. If he can get the 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 bell cow usage, you know, the workhorse back all year long on this team, uh Top 10 RB potential. You forget. Easily. This is Mike Shanahan's kid. Shanahanigans, man. Yeah, we hated Kevin Coleman. Fantasy owners hated oh. Mike Shanahan. We, we love him. We love Kyle, though. Yep. Kyle styles us. He is as predictable as... Of, he's so predictable. I love him. I, I love his offenses. They've been great. All right, let's go to see. You're done, right? We want to talk about done. Jarek McKinnon? No. Okay, well, I'm done. No. All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, who is so wait? Let me let me clarify. Oh, uh, high upside. Your upside is guy was Mostert. Mostert. I agree. And really, the downside for me now it's it's got to be Ayuk because his his ADP is going to climb with Debo Samuel injured. I yeah. think he'll creep into the the, the mid thirties, which puts him in, in starter potential in terms of fantasy football. And he's a rookie, and there's going to be growing pains, and that's going to be a frustrating uh, process to pick which weeks to plug him in. So I'm I'm right. I'm fading all the wideouts for San Fran personally. Let's go to Seattle, and this won't take very long because I think this year's version looks just like last year, which looked just like the year before it. You know, we know what Seattle's all about here, and there's not a lot of of new parts. They were third in rushing attempts last year. They were second in rushing attempts the year before that. Mm. You know, this is going to be a run first offense. Chris Carson returns as the starter. There is Carlos Hyde there, but he stinks. And Rashad Penny is trying to recover from his second major knee injury, so he's not really a factor either. So Chris Carson um, it should be the focal point of uh, much of this offense. Was well, there some talk about Marshawn Lynch possibly rejoining the team again? You know, I thought Lynch looked pretty bad. Yeah, very bad. I just don't For think sure. there's anything left in the tank. Uh, the offensive line I'm a little bit nervous about. Let's talk about all the changes here. Uh, it always changes in Seattle's offensive line. Always at center, B.J. Finney was signed from Pittsburgh to compete with Joey Hunt. Right guard Damian Lewis was a third-round pick from LSU, who's going to step in for D.J. Fluker. And then the team signed a new right tackle, Brandon Shell, from the Jets to replace Jermaine Effetti. Ugh. I don't know that any of those guys are better than the guys they're replacing. And Seattle finished with Pro Football Focus's 30th-ranked pass-blocking unit from last year. Yikes. They were 16th in run-blocking. I'm nervous about this offensive line, and I and I think there there's going to be some problems with all these changes, and I don't know if these players are going to be any better. Who needs an offensive line when you have Russell Wilson? Well, there's that. Let's and and let, first, by the way, let's just dispel the notion that Russell Wilson's a rushing quarterback. You're living in 2015 if you think that's the case. <laughs> the last two years, he has averaged. He's put together his two worst rushing seasons, averaging about 350 rushing yards per year. 
and he has averaged one and a half rushing touchdowns. I wonder how much rushing he's actually just doing in the backfield, scrambling around. Oh, lots if you, more. If you, if you could get points yeah, for that. That's right. If points I get per to, scramble If we could go yards. Tarkenton on Russell Wilson, <laughs> then I'm in. DJ sits, uh, DJ, uh, excuse me, DK Metcalf stunned almost everybody with his productivity last year. 100 targets, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, clearly has the body to be a red zone threat. Um, and maybe if they, you know, in his second year, maybe if they, you know, maybe those seven touchdowns turns in double digit touchdowns. You know, I think there's a lot of optimism on DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, just straight, solid, back-to-back seasons, top 15 fantasy production each of the last two years. I think it'll be a factor here, too. But the bigger story, I think, is this team just doesn't pass enough to elevate any of these guys into, like, top 10-level territory. That's just not how this offense is built, and we just don't have the volume from the passing game. Now, did you see on Twitter, I think it was this just this week, uh, Russell Wilson was working out with Antonio Brown? I did see that, yes. A um, mm. little, little interesting tidbit there. That would be interesting. Antonio Brown's getting, now, Antonio Brown's getting drafted everywhere. I mean, you know, he doesn't, yeah. you know, he's not surviving through drafts yeah. undrafted anymore. And it seems like... That kind of locker room with a uh, you know strong head coach Pete Carroll yeah. could could probably help uh, keep Antonio Brown a little more subdued. This is like a very NBA like offseason almost for yeah. some of these teams like these super teams like yeah. the Bucks are mm-hmm. countering the, the Patriots counter with Cam. Yeah, there's like a little it. something to that, and uh, it, it's you would think you need ring cred, I think, to shut down Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. and they got it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, maybe this is going to be the right spot. He probably would have been a good citizen in New England last year, too, had that played out. Yeah, probably would have been. Yeah. But that got short circuited yep. mostly by himself. Uh, Greg Olson is the new starting tight end, and this offense is tight end friendly. Remember last year how people were pivoting to Nick Vanette and Will Disley and Jacob Hollister? <laughs> and mostly those guys that actually produced Just was the wild pivoting. thing. Yeah, so you had to keep pivoting because they kept getting hurt. Well, mostly all those guys are gone. And for whatever part of 16 games that Olsen gives you, he'll get the majority of, of what has been a productive tight end offense. Um, only Will Disley returns from last year. So the riskiest player based on ADP, I think, is DK Metcalf going off the board two picks after Tyler Lockett. Um, we assume he's going to be a lot better in year two, and he probably will be. But will it be better than Tyler Lockett in year two? I don't know. I'm not ready to quite go there yet. And the player with the most upside is Greg Olson going off the board at tight end 23. So, you know, is your second tight end, he'll probably give you tight end one returns while he's healthy. So he fits right in there with the Seattle good tight ends who get hurt a lot. Yes, it is perfect. Yes, he'll 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 do his thing. And that means getting hurt. And that will, um, you know, at round 20, if you have if you've got Greg Olson starting it for six weeks, fine. Then you, you kick him to the curb. I think we might have some more tight ends to talk about in the next segment. I bet we do as we go to the Rams. That is a tight end, a friendly offense. Yeah. And man, there's a lot of people banking on one of the two tight ends really emerging. We'll talk about the Rams and their tight end situation when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. 
And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchi and Matt Harrison, Brian Johnson with you. Got two teams left to break down as we analyze the AFC and NFC West. We go to the Rams, an offense that obviously underproduced a lot last year. Many people, including me, are optimistic they're going to make the bounce back this year, return to a to to better form. What a a weird offense that was last year. Wasn't it? Yeah, uh, they passed 61.2% of the time. Seventh highest rate in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, They lost Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks in the offseason. Offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth did re-sign for three years. That's good. And then they drafted Cam Akers and Van Jefferson as the uh, Gurley and Cooks replacements. Mm -hmm. Uh, What kind of offense is this one? It's actually a very safe one. Uh, they don't have a lot of risk to them. Uh, they're tied to Jared Goff for the next half decade. And Sean McVay is trying to scheme a way to put Goff in the best position because it's very possible that Goff's just not a very good quarterback. Um, what that means is they're going to run the ball and it's going to be a short passing game. Mm-hmm. Goff's average depth target, eight yards, tied for 26th in the league last year. That was lower than Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky. No. Oh, here it is. Jacoby Brissett, Kyle Allen, David Bloch, lower than all of those guys. <laughs> wow. Uh, Goff was only sacked 22 times in 16 games, though, which puts him in the top 10 uh, as far as least time sacked. That's good for that uh, offensive line. Mm-hmm. He did fumble 10 times last season and threw 16 picks. Mm. So Ouch. they're going to try to make him safer and safer and get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. So how will the short passing offense work? Pretty good for most of the guys you're interested in on this okay. offense. Wow, it's Cooper Cup, especially. Cooper Cup's average depth of target, 7.2. Robert mm-hmm. Woods, 8.4. Tyler Higby, 6.5. Guess yeah. who didn't belong in that offense last year? Brandon Cooks. Yeah, at 14.5. That's right. gone. <laughs> <laughs> so Cup and Woods each clocked in at right around the same amount of targets, receptions, and yards, literally give or take a few digits up or down on this, but Mm -hmm. 130 targets, 90 receptions, 1,100 yards, both almost identical. Yeah. The difference was Cup had 10 touchdowns, Woods had two. 
Yeah, that you figure everybody, including me, thinks that that two number for touchdowns on Robert Woods is going to look. We're going to look back and go, well, that was an anomaly. Yeah, two is a little bit ridiculous. Uh, in his other two years with the Rams, he scored five and six. He's never been a high touchdown guy. Mm-hmm. Six is his record in a year. But uh, he'll probably get closer to five or six than to stay at two. Well, but if with Brandon Cooks out, I just feel like Woods is going to get, you know, add 10 percent to uh, to his looks. And, you know, I, th- I want to believe that he's capable of a nine touchdown season. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the early drafters haven't depressed Robert Woods's ADP quite enough for me. Um, no, in fact, a lot of people, a lot of people see it like I do. They yeah. think Robert Woods is a good receiver who's going to have a better season. You have to take him at the end of the fourth round. That, that feels about right to me. That's not quite low enough for him okay. to be my value pick. All right. Um, my value pick is Tyler Higby. His his ADP is low enough. He's going off the board in the ninth round mm-hmm. as tight end number 12 right now. The Rams finally figured something out at the end of the season with Higby. Listen to his last five games of the year when the Rams were still fighting for a wild card spot. Yeah. Eight targets, seven receptions, 107 and a score. Okay. That's a very good game. 11 targets, 7 for 116. 14 targets, 12 for 111. Those are great games. 11 targets, 9 for 104. Yeah. 12 targets, 8 for 84 and a score. Now let's extrapolate those yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now you got no. George Kittle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he averaged 8.6 catches, 104 yards, and 0.4 scores in those last five games. He was Kittle or Kelsey yeah. for the last month of the year. So I, I, I like him a lot at, at that level because it seems like they figured something out with him and how to utilize him properly. He was really splitting time with Gerald Everett earlier in the year. Well, yeah, his whole career prior to that. And this. they figured out, oh, this guy's pretty good. Let's toss him the ball. So uh, Higby is my, uh, my upside play. The riskiest play is anyone in the running game. And the highest drafted of those is Cam Akers, who's mm-hmm. going off the board in the middle of the eighth. So it's not even that risky. No. Um, the Daryl Henderson truthers are all butthurt because the Rams drafted Akers. But don't sleep on Malcolm Brown continuing to be uh, a part of this offense. Oh, no. I know. He probably especially, will be. Especially, Gross. especially near the end zone. Yeah. Gurley took 15 carries from inside the five last year and converted eight touchdowns. That was Which great. Is good. Those are good and, numbers. And, and those numbers are gone. Brown had eight carries from inside the five that he took for five touchdowns. Also last very year. productive. So that's very productive. Yeah. Akers could end up being the between the twenties runner. Brown could be the goal line guy. Henderson, the change of pace back. So the sneaky bonus value, I think is Malcolm Brown here. Who's the guy that you can get very last out of all well, these yeah, running backs. I bet <laughs> for sure. Last two twenty three in ADP Man. running back 65. So that's insanely low for a it guy is. who might be sitting on between five to nine touchdowns, possibly just nine from times. There we go. Nine, just nine. from the goal line carries and carries from inside the five. If Cam Akers is isn't possible. ready yeah. to take that role. I, I think Cam Akers is built to be a goal line guy, though. And so it's not clear that Malcolm Brown will get those carries. But the fact that he's been successful yeah. with the carries they've given him at the stripe. And there's and, so many carries that are gone. Yes. I, <laughs> you might be right about that. So Boy, in best ball, because Malcolm Brown's going to be sure. He's I think he's going to be a seven to ten touch per game guy. Yeah, probably he doesn't score. He's going to kill you, mm-hmm. but he's going to have these games where he's going to get touchdowns, maybe two in a game. And for best ball, I like Malcolm Brown. Yeah, That's he's a definitely nice, a best nice ball insight. guy there. 
Let's go to Arizona. Kyler Murray. Everybody expecting a big uptick in production in, in Kyler Murray. He's uh, where's his ADP right now among quarterbacks. Last Q, I saw, QB four. Yeah, that's n- n- a fifth. that's a massive, massive jump from where he was last year. Absolutely. Uh yeah. Kyler Murray last year most completions of fifty plus yards. Kirk Cousins had six that led the NFL. Kyler Murray was tied with him with six mm-hmm. completions of 50-plus yards. Here's the list of rookie quarterbacks with a top-12 fantasy finish since 2010. Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, RG3, Cam Newton. All those wow. guys are pretty good from a fantasy perspective. RG3, you can give or take what you want there. So, uh, yeah, the, the the sky is the, the limit for um, Murray in his second season. Uh, he was third in rushing attempts last year and second in yard, yards among quarterbacks. Averaging 5.9 yards per catch, four touchdowns. So he's a weapon. He's going right about in the right spot. He, I think that's, man, I don't it's know. High. Four, four it's, is it's, high. It's high. It's, it's a high-flying offense, and uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement uh, with Cliff Kingsbury in his second year. So before I get to Murray's pass catchers, I just want to talk about Kenyon Drake. Um, probably might be the safest running back going in the first two rounds, and that includes everyone. Yeah. Uh, uh, starting week nine, uh, Drake started getting about 20 touches per game with Arizona. He came yeah. over from Miami, of course. Uh, from week nine on, he only finished behind uh, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Zeke in PPR formats. And, for, and from week nine to uh, 17, he finished, uh, Drake, that is, 75% of his games as an RB2 and nearly 40% as an RB1. Wow. That's, That's an incredibly safe. safe floor with that a ridiculous is. upside. Yeah. For comparison's sake, you have guys like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon were finishing more than 20% of their games outside the top 30. Mm-hmm. And those guys can certainly win you your league, but they can lose it for you if you draft them in the first round. So yeah. I'm loving Drake. He's going, it depends on the league, but you can say mid-second as RB, like 10 to 12. But uh, I think that might be a little too late for Drake. But He's not my upside guy. Mm, we'll wow. get to him in a little right. bit. Well, he's your safe guy. You already you already said he's super safe. He is super safe. Super safe guy. Uh, now to the the weapons for Kyler Murray in the passing game. And, of course, we'll start with DeAndre Hopkins coming over from Houston. Um, going in the late first right now or early second uh, around wide receiver four, you're generally seeing Michael Thomas, of course, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, and Tyree Kill going before Hopkins. And you know what? They would probably be going before Hopkins if he was in Houston still, yeah, I, I feel like. So. so the main concern is will you see the targets he saw in Houston with Arizona? I was shocked to see this. Arizona's wide receivers totaled the third most catches last year, hmm. 238. Okay. That's nearly 15 a game. That's a lot. Remember I said 49ers had nine and a half, so that, yeah. that's, a, that's a big difference. Um, and for reference, uh, the Texans actually finished fourth with 228. So last year, Arizona, it's not like they lost any key member of their wide receiver core. It was no. it was Christian Kirk and yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. Primarily. And then it was like Demir Bird and right. Andy Isabella. So the volume's still there for Hopkins. Yeah. So despite that, though, he's still my biggest downside risk based on the ADP just because wide receiver is so deep. You could argue taking a couple other wideouts instead of him where he's at. Um I don't know. First round. Well, I and, think and any wide this, receiver is risky in the first round this year. Deshaun Watson is awesome. He's a better quarterback. Kyler Murray wants to someday be Deshaun Watson. Awesome. He's not, you know, we don't know that he's there yet and will ever be there. So, you know, there, you know, there's, we're still drafting Hopkins as though he's got an elite quarterback when we don't know that he's got an elite quarterback. And if you just had to choose, would you say he's going to have a better year than he's ever had or 
probably come in a little under than his normal numbers. It just I, feels, I feels to me. It feels like it's. I'm about, expecting about the same. Still too risky for me with his okay. ADP. This is a team to. It's tough to find risk on this team, really, outside of Murray and uh, if you're yeah. that worried about Murray and Hopkins. Um, a couple more wideouts to talk about. Christian Kirk right now going in the late eighth round, wide receiver, 37. Only played 13 games last year, but um. Had at least seven targets nine times. Nine times? Nine times. Double-digit targets five times. times, And at least six catches seven times as well. And like I said, he missed those three games. If he played a full 16-game season, he's easily inside the top 24 uh, wide receiver. And you think of Kirk, and you just think of defenses keying in on Drake Mm -hmm. and DeAndre Hopkins. And this kid might just go crazy running free in single coverage uh, all season long. So... (laughs) But he is not my highest upside player uh, okay. on the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, I know, I know what's coming. <laughs> Our listeners don't, but I do. Uh, some might. Uh, so I have to talk about Larry Fitzgerald, probably the greatest to ever do it. I'm going to say even better than Jerry Rice, considering the awful quarterbacking that Fitz has had in his career when Rice had Montana and Steve Young. But uh, Larry... A brutal year last year. A great start. Topped 100 yards in his first two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, his one top 12 finish came in week one. But after it started week three and on, he only topped 60 yards twice. And don't forget Hakeem Butler. Andy Isabella needs some reps. And I yeah. feel like he's going to forego some of his snaps for those guys. So actually, Fitzgerald's my downside guy. I'm saying you can't draft Larry Fitzgerald in fantasy football yeah. this year. I'm not going to do it. It breaks my heart. I'm pulling for him in reality, but people will still draft him, but don't waste your draft pick on uh, chasing uh, Fitz of old. All right, who's your upside guy? Let's get, let's get it out of the way. <sighs> upside guy. Doesn't really have an ADP yet, despite <laughs> how hard I'm trying. There's upside. <laughs> and that is Dan Arnold. Dan, Dan, Dan Arnold. <laughs> Look, a uh, player without an ADP. <laughs> Not a lot of numbers or tape on Dan as of right now. A tight end in the in the on the team that featured the fewest tight end snaps of all last year. Something's got to go. I'm going to kindly ask you to shut up now. Man. Let's break down what we got for Dan Arnold. Look at this guy going right to last year. Didn't we say not to do that at the top of the hour? Uh, it's, it's, our, it's our only uh, amateur hour. Very amateur hour to my right. Year. Anyway, Dan Arnold. Yes. Went undrafted out of Wisconsin Platteville in 2017, but was signed by the Saints as a wide receiver. Ooh. Does this sound familiar? Ooh. Sound familiar? Converted tight end a year later. Yeah. Played one year with the Saints, really, and one with Arizona last year. Only 20 career receptions. Not a lot. Not a lot. But he's averaging 14 yards a catch. Okay. 15 of those 20 receptions have gone for first downs. Okay. That's pretty impressive. Okay. Mm. Did not see real game action until the last four games of 2019 with the Cardinals. But in those four games, saw 13 targets, turned him into eight catches, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. In four games. That's still like averaging 25 25 yards a game. You guys are morons. Anyway, (laughs) he started just one of those games. He didn't see full game action. Think of the 13 targets. If he gets 13 targets in a game. Well, is is he the starter? He started week 17. Okay. Just one Ooh. start. Okay. So is he the starter this year? Yes. Dan Arnold, the starter. Cliff Kingsbury wants him to be the starter. In his one start last year, six targets, four catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. He's going to get full run in an, in a, an offense that plays soft, tight end defenses. No, put your finger down. Put it up your nose. What do you got? I was going to say, DeAndre Hopkins, 2015, 
192 targets, 111 receptions, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. Who are his quarterbacks, you ask? Yeah. Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett. Wow. I think he can produce. With anybody. With Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be fine. All right. Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. Fantasy Dan relevance. Arnold. We, saved the, we saved the best for last. Freaking Dan, Dan right. Arnold. Yes. Damn right. Dan Arnold. ADP is an infinity symbol <laughs> for Dan Arnold. It'd be and a cool take jersey sooner number. Than that. Somebody should get that. Yeah, I, he should go to the Jets or the Jets. Jets won't trade for Sam Darnold. But imagine a Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold connection <laughs> would be great. You know they're talking. You know, they're going to have these twister. expanded ro- these expanded rosters due to COVID this mm-hmm. year. They're they might have a real problem where teams can't have you know like linebackers have to wear between whatever forty and fifty or something, right? You have yeah. to you know. But if you're if you're the Steelers, you've already retired like four numbers of linebackers. Sure. And you've also got a bunch of linebackers. You know, they might run out of numbers for some of these guys. They might need the infinity symbol. Or <laughs> a half. Like pie. Pie. Yep. Maybe. Um let's get nerdy. Let's get nerdy. Uh, speaking of uh, COVID, next show, I want to talk about some of the COVID prevention measures your league needs to take. Mm. Now, get your you know get your league squared away now for some of the things that might happen COVID related. That'll come next week as one of uh, several topics. So, and 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 I can I can bring up an early one. We're we're in a Empire Baseball League, Brian and I, and we don't know what to do with our Empire Baseball League this year if they play a sixty game baseball season. Yeah. Do you treat it? As a full year or not? Do right. you do you just treat it as a one-off? That's year? some of the things we're going to talk about. What happens if what happens if it's a a an abbreviated season? What if it does you know a little bit like baseball mm-hmm. last year, where they just have to, or not baseball like basketball or hockey, where they just basically stop it? Yeah. Then what? So you know we're going to talk about some of those things. Also, we'll talk about Cam Newton going to the Patriots, which we didn't cover in this one. We'll talk about his fantasy value specifically. With the Patriots, it's not going to be anything because Jared Stidham's the starter. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> you know they don't have a monetary demand to have to pay Cam, make Cam the starter because they paid him because they didn't pay him anything. They could cut him. They could cut him outright. By the way, as a side note, for those people that have made it to the fifty-six minute mark of this podcast, mm. the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins—they all could have blocked this move. Yeah, if you're the Bills, plenty or, of cap If space. you're the Bills, right? They, they, the Bill. Let's take the Dolphins out of it. Who I still think aren't, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about winning the division this year, but maybe who knows? It, the Bills really are for sure, and the Jets might be too. They were sitting at, I believe, twenty-two and twenty-five million dollars of cap space, and I know that Cam would have had to come to those teams as the backup mm-hmm. behind a young starter that's not going to give up that job. But instead of making one and a half million dollars, they could have gone here. $10 million will have the best backup in the league or one of the best backups in the league. It's and true. also we play keep away from the Patriots and the bills and the jets didn't do it. Maybe cam wasn't interested in being a backup at all. Have they made public the $10 million incentives, incentives baked into his contract? No, I, you got to like that. From a fa- you I, like when guys are playing for I, stats. I believe, yeah. he yeah. I believe he can make up to six or 7 million with incentives. Sure. Yeah, uh, but he's not even guaranteed the, to be the starter, mm-hmm. right? In with uh, although he's the prime. Come on, he'll be I, come the, on, <laughs> he'll be the starter. He'll be the Jared starter. Stiddle. All right, thanks for making it to the very end of this podcast. We're grateful for all of you listening. If you missed any of the previous team by team breakdowns, we encourage you to go back through the previous podcast, learn all about all the thirty two teams in the NFL fantasy style. 
We'll give the minute mark for Dan Arnold, too, on the tweet, right? So people can go right to the Dan Arnold. Right to Dan Arnold. Go to 53-minute mark for everything you ever want to know about Dan Arnold. Bye-bye, everybody. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.